welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throughout Paperback. I'm one of the hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. And this week we have another wonderful maybe episode for you this week we are covering the second half of they return by claire phrase which is the last book so far in her series they stay we're a podcast with the nerd party network and we read books and then talk about them with each other which is what a book club is (laughs) and claire's publisher sent us a copy of this series for us to discuss so we're breaking these down the same way we would break down any other book we didn't receive any money from the publishing house to read it, though, so we're going to be really, really honest with these books, and I'll start right off saying I'm very excited to finish them. They have just gone so far in a direction that I personally don't enjoy, and it's... There's some things I think are writing-wise I don't enjoy, but mostly subject matter I don't enjoy, and I just... As I was writing my notes for the outline, I was just thinking of that scene in Star Wars 3, um, in Revenge of the Sith, when Padme goes to Mustafar to find Anakin, and she's like, Anakin, you're going down a path I can't follow. And I'm like, that's exactly how I feel in these books. I'm like, I can see the appeal, I really can, but it's not for me. Okay, super brutally honest right from the start. (laughs) I'll be giving the summary for this week. But before I dive into that, I'm just going to go ahead and give our trigger warning, which if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes on this series, I've been just taking the trigger warning that's on the copyright page of the book. So this episode is going to contain discussions of dark scenes, gory descriptions of violence, and mentions of self-harm. So as always, if those aren't safe topics for you, maybe skip this episode and or skip the whole series because there's a lot of violence and dark material. But with that, we can go ahead and dive into the summary for this week. So Leonard, our villain, has his master plan that is going well. Francesca is bringing back all of the people for him, all of his past, his friends from the past. And when Francesca wakes up, she has actually put Leonard's mother into Shiloh's mother's body, which was kind of a cliffhanger we were left on in the first half of the reading of what was going to happen to Shiloh's mother. Well, he killed her and put his own mother in there, so not good. But meanwhile, Shiloh and Jonah finally make up and they make a plan to protect Max, and then they're able to locate Francesca and try to rescue her with some of their new friends. And they do end up going to the house and fighting Leonard and all of his old friends. And they have some marginal successes. It's very chaotic, so we'll have to be sure to do a check-in at the very end with all of the characters to make sure no one's confused on what happened. But I'll leave it at that for now with the summary. As far as for my impressions of the reading, I would say that I don't think I'm as like, disinterested as Charles is. I think there are certain parts of the books that I really, really dislike, but there's other parts that I do enjoy that I think help push it along, which we'll talk about throughout the episode and then at the very end when we give our overall impression. But I would just say that's kind of where I'm at, that 
this is still this is not the worst series we've read for me but it's definitely nowhere near the best and i think there are some serious issues with it story-wise i think that's a nice way to say it and i think we'll definitely talk about it at the end we'll do our final impression of the series or the series so far for me my impression was that it was just a little too gross and violent and too twisted for me. Like Shiloh's mom becoming Leonard's mom was a little too much for me. And that was at the beginning of the reading. So, you know, kind of. So Charles is just triggered from the beginning. I mean. (laughs) All the way throughout. No breaks. Like to have your mom become a villain. But I guess, see, I was expecting that. Like, I didn't think that that was that shocking. It wasn't shocking. But I feel like it anything. It was still terrible when Shiloh had to experience disturbing. it, I guess, yeah, I feel like I'm more so disturbed by things when I'm not expecting it, whereas I was expecting Shiloh's mom to be used as a host. Didn't know necessarily for who, but as soon as he kidnapped her, like, that's a body that he's going to use. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, let's dive in. We start with Miles going to work as Officer Swearing. And I wrote that he's almost definitely a suspect, too, now. I mean, already he's acting super funny because he's had an entire personality shift. And this other female officer, he's making her really suspicious. And it's, like, unclear if, like, Swearing, like, had a flirtationship with the female officer, whether they were friends or enemies. But whatever their relationship is, it's clearly not being replicated by Miles because he doesn't know. And so... He just seems super suspicious that he even tampers with evidence to hide, you know, the crimes they've been committing. And I'm like, you know how I've been talking about that there are complications from book one that are still on in book three? I'm like, who knows if this will matter, but like tampering with evidence could be a complication down the line for his character. For sure. So that's one character which... I'll say I'm definitely liking Miles more in this book. But the next person we check in with is Francesca, who is just working up to being my least favorite character. But it's basically time for her to bring back Leonard's next friend, which turns out to be his mother. And I feel like we both had the same thought at the same time as we were reading this. Oh, yeah. I was like, is Leonard going to put his mom into Shiloh's mom's body? Like, duh. Exactly, which I wouldn't even say I was wondering this. I was expecting it. Like I said, I was definitely expecting him to use Shiloh's mother as a new host body, as a new body, basically, for a new host. And no, no you're right. Yes. The body would be the host because it's hosting okay. a spirit. Okay, I like, I'm you, thinking of that movie, The Host. I'm getting confused. You doubted yourself, but you know the English better than you think. So yes, a new host, and so yes, we turned out to be correct, that's exactly what he does, which is definitely disturbing and unfortunate. Like, it was, it was awful, it was terrible, and also that means he killed Shiloh's mom. Like, that means that he strangled her to death. Okay, yeah, but he's done that to, like, ten other people already, like, I don't know, I guess... I'm just glad that we didn't get that, like, we didn't have to read about it, we, we find out about... We find out about it afterwards. Like, Francesco wakes up and his mom is already in Shiloh's mom's body. It's not like we have to go through the whole process again of watching him murder her and then him physically putting the spirit in. Like, I thought that was at least refreshing that we didn't have to be there for the gore. 
as the reader. That's true. We did not have to witness the actual murder. I did take note of that. So, and I understand it's maybe more heartbreaking because it's a character that's connected to one of the main characters, but it didn't bother me because, like, I guess for me, I was really much, I was very much expecting it, so it wasn't as disturbing from my perspective. I will take your point. Well, to check in with our other two protagonists, Jonah and Shiloh, they have to, like, get a room together with their traveling circus, and Shiloh asks Jonah what's going on. And he still won't tell her. And I was like, bro, what is it? Like, what is going on in your life that is so ridiculous that you can't tell her? Um, But I was also really proud of Shiloh for asking him. Like, she's like, I'm so freaking tired of this. Like, so she just confronts him. And I thought that was great. Yeah, Shiloh's definitely, I feel like, ever since she's had to confess about what happened with what her dad did to her, I feel like she's gotten a lot better with being able to communicate her emotions and just saying what she feels as opposed to trying to hide things because you know a mature person you have to be able to communicate effectively and I feel like she's really grown in that way which has been really nice for her character growth which we haven't seen in some other characters but yes I also really like that but after she basically confronts him thank god Jonah finally tells Shiloh everything and she still says that like she cares about him and like They make up, and it's great. Yeah, except that Jonah's secret was that his mom was terrible. Like, we knew that already. Like, I guess he he goes into some specifics, and he says, like, I didn't, I don't love myself enough to be enough for you, which, as we've, as I've said in previous episodes of this podcast, I think is a stupid reason not to be with someone, and I don't think it means anything, but I, like, bro, it's not a secret that your mom was terrible, and that she made you feel awful and that she, like, overdosed. Like, I I was just, I was surprised that this was, like, this big secret that he was like, I can't tell Shiloh, I can't tell Shiloh. I was like, your secret is way less bad than, like, what happened to her. Oh, well, I felt his big secret was, trigger warning, that he showed his scars that he self-harmed because of all of the trauma. Like, I feel like before when we were talking about, he was saying, like, yes, the argument of saying, I'm not good enough for you, like, And not, like, giving her the choice, yes, was taking away her agency. But I feel like now he was really opening up and saying that basically, like, I am not at a point or I have never been at a point that I truly love myself. So, like, I don't know if I can be enough for you because I can't even be enough for myself because of what I went through and what it did to me. Like, I I don't know. I thought it was really eye-opening. And this is the part of the book that I did like because this is stuff that you don't get, I feel like, in a lot of books of, like, really, like bad trauma and stuff and I thought that this was done pretty well but yeah like this is the part that I think I mean just like we said like with the abuse and stuff like highlighting those stories I think is important and I think we both kind of agree the points where we get lost is more of like the supernatural ghost stuff because some of this more serious real life stuff gets lost or like overshadowed by the supernatural and like fantastical things But I thought this was a really good moment because it changed from Jonah being like, I'm not good enough for you, therefore I'm making a choice for you, to I still don't think I'm good enough for you, but I'm going to show you all that I am, and then it's up to you to make that decision. And, you know, kind of basically facing his biggest fear and thinking that Shiloh wasn't going to want him once she heard everything and learned about, like, what he'd done to himself because of how he felt. And she doesn't because... She likes him a lot, 
And so I, I just thought it was like a really nice moment. It was definitely like one of my favorite, probably my two favorite scenes in the whole reading were this one and then their conversation at the end. So like it was up there because I like their dynamic. I just, I just felt like what he, he was just being an emotional teenage boy who was not in touch with his feelings and not thinking about like, if he I was, don't think that I, that's what that is. I think that that's like if you're mentally ill and really like if you're so ill that you feel that you have to physically harm yourself. I don't think that that's just teenage emotions. I think that that is something that you need help with. And I think that that was kind of his first time like telling somebody that like he did that. No, I think that's true. I mean, more of that, like that he thought that Shiloh would reject him over that is like that is a logical in fallacy. I don't, I don't think that that's illogical. I think that people, people do not understand. If you've never been through something like that, it's hard for you to understand. So it's not just, okay, let's reference back to Miles. <laughs> Miles, when Shiloh tells him that her dad is hitting her, he's initial response is to push her away. And it doesn't have to be in a I think you deserved that or it's just the fact that you can't understand. And maybe I guess you're if you're saying because Shiloh's also been through trauma, but it's a different kind of trauma. His trauma was or what he did to himself was self-inflicted. Like he blamed himself for the bad things that his mother did to him and then he blamed himself whereas I mean Shiloh talks about how she's felt worthless for what her dad did to her and said to her, but it still never caused her to want to physically hurt herself so it's, it's just different so I could see the fear and thinking that someone might not understand that and it might not be that it's like I don't like you and I never want to talk to you again but it could be too much like they're like I don't understand you you know I guess I I know what you're saying I just think that maybe and maybe because I'm I definitely feel like I'm reading this as a spectator I don't feel myself putting myself into any of the characters that I feel like personally in the world of it that to me Shiloh being vulnerable and sharing what she has experienced and her continuing showing interest in him that would be enough that to me because I can see like similarities in what they've experienced like in terms of like sort of physical pain from it that I can like I'm like, of course Shiloh's not going to reject you. But I understand what you're saying, that obviously when you're in that moment, you yourself cannot, like, Jonah himself cannot necessarily see that. Like, of course he can't see and that. And that's but why... to me, I'm like, it's so obvious, bro. She likes you. Well, also, I mean, it's easy as the reader because we are reading Shiloh's thoughts. Like, we get a lot of perspective, of Shiloh's perspective throughout the book. So obviously we know exactly what she's thinking. We're getting less of, like, what his third person perspective of her would be of just what he sees as opposed to like hearing her thoughts. Like we, I feel like we know that as the reader, but like, does Jonah really know that based on their interactions? Um, but I also just really liked that. What kind of helped push him to be able to do this was his conversation with Phil before they had like a really nice conversation, like just about which Phil is one of the circus performers that they go and like are deciding to help them with Leonard. And he performs like this lizard man and he has all these tattoos over his body and he has like disformed hands. I, I don't remember if like they said he was born like that or if it was something. Yeah, he was born that he, way. So yeah, so he has like a deformity on his hands. So like throughout his life, he was like 
seen as a spectacle and people stared and stuff. And he decided to join the circus because he liked people to look at him, but he didn't want people to look at him just because of something that he was. So he created this character of being like this lizard man and like committed to it. And he talked about how like he was depressed and everything. But as with all mental health and like what you ultimately learn in therapy, if you ever decide to go to therapy, is that if you want to feel better and get better, you have to make the decision that you want to do that and you have to do the work. And I feel like talking to Phil and how he was like, I didn't want to be that sad person anymore. I wanted to turn my life around. I wanted to be better. I wanted to feel better. Like I feel like pushed Jonah in the idea of no matter how bad you feel, if you want to get to a better place, you have to make that decision for yourself and you have to push yourself. And this was Jonah like taking that first step, which I thought like for a teen book was pretty well done to like show that for if, you know, teens are reading this and they're struggling with whatever to see that like a character was able to do that and like come out okay. I That's where I said like I'm enjoying that about this story. Well, I think that's a good place to end conversation on because I totally I agree with that but so yeah they they make up Jonah and (laughs) Jonah and who Jonah and Shiloh make up so yay romance it's confusing because their names are both are they the same number of letters maybe not Shiloh has one more letter but they're both when you write them out physically they're shaped the same way because they have a big letter at the beginning and then they like undercurve into an h and it's very, it's, like, weird. Like, their names are, like, similar. Sorry, this is just something I've noticed. That doesn't make any sense, because Jonah only has a big letter, like, with the capital J and then the H. Shiloh has the capital S, the H, the L, and the H at the end. So I don't see that. But the S and the H at the beginning of Shiloh are kind of, like, one. I'm just saying the fact that they both end in an H is, I, like, I understand. The fact that they both end in an H, I, that's all you can get from me. And they're both, what, two syllables? Jonah, Shiloh? Yes. Anyway. They make up great. (laughs) They're all lovey-dovey now. And that's why, I mean, in addition to all that with the growth, this is definitely, like I mean, like I said, diehard romance fan right here. This is what I'm mostly enjoying. Like, I'm honestly enjoying most of the book at this point, except for the Francesca chapters, which mainly because we have to be around Leonard and he's horrible, but also because Francesca, to me, gets progressively worse. <laughs> I feel like she's getting the opposite of growth, which, you know, maybe it's paralleling her aging as she has to keep going to the other side. She's also losing her mental capacities, which is why she becomes stupider and stupider. But Savage. maybe. <laughs> but either way, I'm enjoying the Shiloh, the Jonah and even the Miles chapters I'm enjoying as well. So like we said, it happens. Leonard does end up putting his mom into Shiloh's mom. And I already said how awful I think that is. I'm not going to get back into it. Cause <laughs> yeah. For like the fifth time. <laughs> the only good thing I can say about Francesca's chapters is that there's definitely romance happening with Evelyn. I mean, maybe Evangeline and I like Evangeline and her <laughs> Evelyn. Like, I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I feel like they're more than allies. I feel like there's a romance. I'm also definitely getting romantic vibes. I mean, we're, we're only ever getting Francesca's perspective. We're not getting Evangeline's. But definitely, Francesca, like, looks too much in her chest and, like, talks about how pretty she is. And she's, like, staring at her and, like, can't focus. Like, it's definitely, like, I have a crush on you. It's past friendship, which I think is great. But, like I said, Francesca just keeps getting more annoying. So I can't even 
enjoy this part. Well, it's also like we don't know if Evangeline likes her back, which is kind of sad. I mean... Also, I'm still suspicious of Evangeline. Like, I don't trust her. Like, I don't know. I just feel like... I agree. There's something not right. And it would be like Claire phrase to set them up in a romance and then be like, ta-da, Evangeline's actually working for Leonard. Like... Yeah. I would believe her to do that to us at this point in the books. So, you know, also we should mention, like, when Shiloh and Jonah make up, they do have sex, finally. And I wrote, yay sex, except now Shiloh's mom is confirmed missing. Because, like, literally they're lying in bed, chilling out, and they turn on the news, and they're like, good lord, we cannot catch a break. They don't turn on the news. Miles calls them. Oh, you're right. Miles calls them and is like, Shiloh, your mom left Max with a babysitter and never came and got him, and now he's with your dad. Oh, that makes more or sense. Or with your dad's parents, <laughs> so their grandparents. They don't turn on the news. I liked my version better, though. They turned on the news. So, after the call from Miles, they they have to go get Max from their dad and his parents, and I was like, what a mess we are at in this book where I agree with their decision. Like, this book is so twisted. I'm like, they do need to get Max because Leonard would definitely not hesitate to kidnap him again and kill him and put more spirits in him. And I was like, it is so bad that these kids are on the freaking run from the law and a serial necromancer. And they're like, we need to go get a fuck. How old is Max? Eight? Something like that? Six? Something, he's super young. And they're like, they have to go bring him with them to stay in their dingy hotel room, because that is actually the safest... Motel. Motel. And that is actually the safest place for him. Like, isn't that... And I agreed with it. It was like, it is the safest place for him. That's so bad. Yeah, I at first was like, do they really have to go get Max? (laughs) I'm just like, Max, unfortunately, is just baggage, because it's just... It's another reason that Shiloh can get hurt, and it's something that's not, like, you can't control him. Like, I don't know. I just, it's it's just causing even more anxiety in the story than as if we didn't already have enough. But yes. You heard it here first, people. Asia doesn't like children. That's a false. She calls children baggage. That's a false, but in this context, yes. I literally was like, they already have enough to deal with, and now they have to go get this child, and now they're going to have to, you know, give him an iPad so he can be an iPad kid and watching Cocomelon so that he doesn't bother them while they're literally trying to murder people. Jesse... Watching what? Cocomelon. What's Cocomelon? That's like a cartoon for little kids. Well, see, I... When you work with two to four-year-olds, they love Cocomelon. He'd probably be a little too old for Cocomelon, but... No, he's like Bluey age, right? Yeah, probably. Uh, Bluey might be too young, too. I have no idea, but the kids love Bluey, too, from what I hear. The kids love Bluey. Anyway, they have to get him, which I do agree with Charles. It ends up being, like, the best thing because, like, they definitely shouldn't leave him anywhere near their father, which it's honestly, I was thinking, I was like, how is he still sheriff? Like, how is that still going on? Like, how have they not voted him out or put him on, like, leave, like, there's evidence that he... Yeah, like, the explanation was also so feeble when they were like, well, he's handsome and people just, like, I'm like... 
There was photos. There were videos. Like, there was plenty of proof that this man was beating at everybody. Everyone saw Shiloh. Like, she was in town showing this scar- signs yeah. of her abuse. That's what I'm like, saying. It's, it's not even about, like... Well, also, because, like, when he's... Just a little side note, whatever. When they show that, like, the mom's gone, he's like, you know, my wife, she was having bad days. And I'm like... Even if what he's saying, like, you think that they hit themselves? Like, I just don't understand. <laughs> like, they have proof, bruises, showing. And I'm not saying I'm expecting him to, like, be in jail or anything. But, like, how is he still a police officer? How does he still have his job? Like, clearly this is not this time of TikTok when he would have been canceled. Like, I just don't understand. Well, also, like, because the explanation is, like, he can't, like, be forced out. Like, we don't have a recall system, so he can't be forced out of his job. Okay, well, then they need to write that in. They need to put an amendment in their constitution so that that can happen. That makes no sense. Well, also, like, he could still be blasted within, like, an inch of his life on social media. Like, this is... And also, like, the town could definitely, like, you know... They could have at least made it such that he can't, like, come into work. Or, like, the other like the other police officers shouldn't be going into the office and taking orders from him. Like, it doesn't feel like it would be that far of a reach to get the whole town to turn on him, even if they can't officially remove him from being sheriff. But I guess if they're a small town, I mean, maybe that's pointing towards, because, you know, we're not from a small town. Maybe that's how it is, that it's just crazy like that. Because to me, like... I mean, I was thinking about one of the earlier episodes when we talked about the violence. Like, do people just chase people in cornfields? I bet they do. We don't know what happens in small towns. There's only, like, 300 people. And, you know, no one's going to notice if it goes from 315 to 314. No one's going to know. Cause no I one's think gonna people would notice because there's so few people. I don't think people. so. Because people there's are so we're not checking people. up on those people. There's so few people we're not checking up Except on Except their them. families and the three families that know them, which is the entire population of the town. But they could all collectively cover it up. They could make, uh, like, I, I'm Why saying Why would they I, want to? Because the patriarchy. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like... The patriarchy Based on what's happening in this, this is why I could never live in a small town. Sounds terrifying. Murders happen. People getting abused with no consequences. Sounds horrible. If you take nothing from our podcast, take the fact that Asia thinks that if you live in a small town, you end up in the Lovely Bones. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I need people to send in their stories of how you were harassed in cornfields. Because I swear it happens. People get murdered and nobody cares. I mean, people get murdered in the city, too, and no one cares, unfortunately. But at least it's broadcast on the news. Like, who's reporting? There's no one. There's no witnesses. There's no witnesses. No one would know. Oh, my God. We have gone off the rails. Okay, let's go back to the chapters we don't want to read. Oh, God. Francesca develops a whole plan to use Patrick, Leonard's crush, to kill Leonard. And she gets it. Patrick's on board. She literally, it all works out. She has Leonard in her mercy, and then she's too nice and doesn't kill Leonard. She has him overpowered, and she's like, I'm not like you. And then he, like, blasts her off of him. He kills Patrick again. And he throws her down the stairs. (laughs) Mind you, he killed Patrick, the boy he was apparently in love with, and stole his body for 60 years. And then... His love, of, the love of his life gets brought back to him. He gets betrayed by him, and then he freaking kills him again. Like, Leonard is, Leonard needs, Leonard needs therapy. If we were a show that was sponsored by BetterHelp, we would, all of our ad dreams would be like, Leonard Gallus needed better help. 
well, BetterHelp is a scam. Anyway, I'm apologizing in advance if you're sick of my voice because I'm about to talk for a while about how much I hated this. Let's not even talk about Leonard. Let's start with Francesca because talk about the biggest disappointment of the century. I am officially branding her as an idiot. There is no coming back from this. And this is the point where I actually hated the book. And because Francesca choosing not to kill Leonard in this moment after they've created this whole plan with Evangeline, with Patrick, getting Patrick to betray Leonard, even though he does seem to love him or did love him, but he's doing it because it's the right thing. And then at the last second, Francesca going, what am I doing? I'm not Leonard. I can't kill him. This monster. I can't kill him. It's so frustrating. And to me, it's completely unforgivable for the story because to me, it does not make sense. Like, it does not make sense. It's not logical. And this is the point where if it weren't for the podcast, I probably would have stopped reading the book because it was just so, like, it made me so angry Like, I was ready to throw the book across the room, never to be picked up again, just left on the floor forever. And for me, unfortunately, I do have to criticize the author, Claire Fraze, because to me, it's just coming across that, like, she doesn't want to kill her villain, and she's really trying to fake us out as the audience, but it's not giving, like, the suspense or whatever she was trying to give. It's just making us more frustrated and hopeless for, like, there ever to be a win, Like, especially in the sense of she's already made her villain, like, incredibly unbeatable, but now you've made it so that your man characters don't even want to kill him? Like, it just makes no sense. And I'm, like, she could have introduced a new villain. Like, Francesca could have killed Leonard, and then, boom, Evangeline betrays her. Like, I just feel like that would have been so much more interesting. But now we're stuck with Leonard, who basically cannot be defeated because he can't be, even if he's killed, he's a soul, and will talk about it at the end of the book what happens but like it's just completely making me lose interest in the story because there's absolutely no hope for any sort of positive conclusion it only sounds like negative like at this point I'm expecting that by the end of the book they will all be dead and the happy ending is that they're all on the other side together like I just don't understand how that's not gonna end like that and even then Leonard will probably haunt them on the other side like I just don't understand where the story is going And then for Francesca specifically, it's just really disappointing with her character because to me, she has had the opposite of growth. I feel like from the very beginning of the story, she was a likable character. She was a character to be pitied. She was bullied. Girls literally dumped trash on her head in the (laughs) bathroom stalls. And they chased her through cornfields. And then we get to her getting chased through cornfields, getting beat up for no reason because I guess that's how people deal with issues in small towns. And... Francesca fought back. She fought back. That's when she learned she could throw the spirit. But now, in the moment where... She throw the spirit. Like the Holy Ghost. (laughs) Like she's in church. Throw the spirit. Sorry. And in the moment that it matters most, this is where she's like, I can't do this. I can't fight back. This monster who, let's go through, he kidnapped a six-year-old child, strangled him to death right in front of his sister... 
in order to bring alive some other random child and killed multiple other children, killed this young girl Tallulah right in front of you and strangled her and cut your fingers off because you wouldn't help him, then starved you, made you pee in a cage in the corner, like literally is the worst human being to ever exist. He's like not even human, a literal demon. And you're like, I can't kill him? I'm sorry, but, like, what world, I'm telling you, right now, here's the poll of the episode. In what world, what you've heard about this Leonard man, if you have the chance, why would you not kill him and end your misery? Why? Like, it makes no sense, and that's where, to me, like, it is, like, Francesca, where (laughs) it's kind of like a joke in the sense of they've talked about how she's been aging from, like, keep going to the other side like maybe she's like getting dementia like i don't know she just like forgot like i don't understand but that's not what happens because in her mind which i to me i do think it kind of parallels in the was it the last book i'm losing track but it parallels when shiloh is strangling richie and she's like what am i doing and then shiloh's brain goes Well, Leonard's a monster, so we have to kill him no matter what. Whereas Francesca's brain goes, what am I doing? I can't kill him. I don't want to be like Leonard. And I'm like, so you're going to let Leonard kill you? Like, I just don't understand. Like, I don't know. To me, like, that makes no sense. There's no self-preservation. And it's just extremely frustrating. And I guess maybe it's... Maybe it's to show, like, the stark difference between Shiloh and Francesca as a character. But to me, all it does is make Francesca seem weak. It makes her an incredibly weak character and just not logical. Like, it just doesn't make sense. And she's immediately punished for it because Leonard escapes and then pushes her down the stairs and then proceeds to tie her up by her hands. Like, I just, I don't understand. At this point, like I said, I was just incredibly disappointed and also just, like, could care less what happened to Francesca after that point because, to me, that was her fall from gaze forever. She cannot come back from that. So, okay, I have some thoughts. I, I didn't dislike Francesca as much over it as you do, but <laughs> I don't disagree with you. I think you're absolutely right. It didn't make me as, that didn't make me as viscerally angry as it made you with Francesca. It made me more angry with the book, with what you just said about, like, how it kind of, what you were saying about, like, potential criticism of the writing, which I think you're absolutely correct on. For me, it's... If you cannot vanquish the villain, like, you're just... There's no point. Like, if they can't kill Leonard, or they're not going to kill him, they should just roll... Like, lie down and let him kill them right then and there. Like, get it over with. Because there's no point in having a story. That's... (laughs) I mean, she basically did. She's like, I'm dead. That's basically what she did. She's like, kill me now. There is no point in having a story if there's no chance at improvement. Doesn't mean you have to get improvement. We could finish with a bad place. But I'm like, if the main characters aren't even going to do the things that they need to do to, like... And not because she's not smart enough or fails. It's like she literally had everything under control. And she's like, no... And to me, it's like what you said. If Leonard already is too powerful, like, and then our our characters aren't gonna go after him when they can. It's just, and also it felt it felt particularly bad because at the end, 
when Shiloh's like, okay, we're going to kill him, Francesca's like, okay, it's time. And I'm like, I mean, thank God you finally got there, Francesca, but like... (laughs) After being dragged along the floor, getting hit by nails and broken glass, oh my gosh, after that part... It was like... (laughs) Because basically what happens... she she climbs off of him. She doesn't even restrain him. He just gets up, knocks her out, drags her along the floor. And I'm like, I hope you're thinking right now while you're getting just totally messed up on the floor about how maybe wrong that decision was that you just made. Because right now you could have been free. You could have killed Leonard. You could have sent him to the other side. But no, you couldn't do it. So now you're back to being a prisoner. Like I just, I'm like, I, I want to emphasize more. So I don't really like, yes, Francesca's an, a fictional character. I do. I blame the writing. I think that personally, or again, it's just my opinion, but I guess it was also really frustrating because we kind of talked about how all of their plans so far have just been utter failures. Like there's always something going wrong. This plan actually worked really well. And I actually thought that this was a very smart plan because by getting past, because it came from Francesca who wasn't an idiot. Yes, it came from Francesca, it came from Evangeline, and, like, the idea of Leonard loved Patrick, which was making him have blind trust, which, to me, that was believable. So when he's like, will you try it for me? Like, this, to me, was their only chance to do something where, like, they could actually trick him. And she failed. Like, there was, the plan was going perfectly, but she messed it up, and I guess... I don't know if I would say it, like, didn't make sense for her character, but it was, like I said, extremely disappointing for her character. Because, and I guess it's also disappointing because to me this is where I, like, I blame the writing is, it only served the purpose because she didn't want to kill Leonard then because that would be the end of the book. In our eyes. That would be the end. And obviously what she sees, as based on what we do know happens at the end, she couldn't kill Leonard right then because that couldn't be the end of him. She had more to say. And I guess then... To me, then, the plan shouldn't have went so well because, to me, this was one of the first plans that I felt, like, really was, like, going according to plan. Like, it seemed like it was actually going to work. And for, like, Francesca to be the one to hesitate and, like, ruin it, like, just didn't work for me. It didn't sit right with me. I didn't like it. And either I wish she would have killed him then or I wish that that whole part wouldn't have been a part of it. Like, or... Patrick would have never agreed to do it. Like, to me, it just didn't make sense for all those things to line into place and for Francesca's character to be ruined like that because, to me, like, it was unforgivable. Like, to me, if Shiloh or Jonah heard what she did, it would be unforgivable. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, not even just from the reader's perspective, but if Shiloh's like, he killed Max. He murdered a six-year-old child. He murdered multiple other people. He cut off your fingers. He murdered Shiloh's mom, and you still couldn't kill him? Yeah, like, like, he's literally, he's in the process of killing you by making you go back to get all these people for him. Like, yeah. No, I totally agree. It was, it was so, it was so bad. It was more just, like, that also were, yes, I think you're right. I know where you're saying also, like, it's a, it's feels like a disappointment for the character Francesca, and also it feels like a disappointment for the writing of the book. It also just... Yeah, it feels like, to me, it's just, there was no reason. Like, it's so wrong, like, so incorrect for Shiloh, for Francesca to make that decision. It just feels completely wrong in the book. Yeah, it just feels like it doesn't fit. Like, to me, I'm thinking, as I was reading it, 
I mean, first of all, I was shocked. <laughs> That's why I think I had such an angry reaction because I was actually shocked. That is absolutely not what I was expecting. And as the story keeps going, as we'll see, to me, it was just really clear that she did that so that she'd keep Leonard alive to continue the series for another book. Like, to me, that is why she did that. Which is silly because you could have easily had, you know, Ivan and the mom, like his mom and Maud. I mean, I guess Maud was decomposing, but like you could have done any of like you had plenty of villains that you could that could pick up the story. And they could literally knife Francesca right then and there. She could have killed Leonard and then had Patrick see him kill and like. Patrick be like, no, I loved him. How dare you? And then kill her. Like, right then and there. Like, there were plenty of options for it to keep going. I mean, not that I necessarily feel like it needs to. But if it, if it, if it, if you wanted it to, like, you didn't have to keep him around. And it just, it just felt so incorrect that she would have spent all this time planning and developing a plan to kill Leonard and then at the last minute get cold feet. Yeah, also, I liked so. it because it's like this whole time Leonard has been presented as so unbeatable and so powerful, and the idea that being betrayed by a loved one was how they were going to get him, like, I felt like that was going to be so clever. That was going to be such a good way to get him that it seems so simple, but even the most evil people, if they love somebody, that is a weakness that you can take advantage of. So, I don't know, I just feel like it would have fell into place so well Whereas now, I'm still not convinced that they will ever be able to completely destroy him, completely win, completely beat him, based on, again, what we've been given. And to me, three books in, I don't know, I just don't know how you keep reading when there seems to be no hope of, again, that positive outcome at the end. I feel that. I feel that. So, whatever. (laughs) Again. All of this is just going to get proved to be stupid in two chapters when they do kill Leonard, but whatever. The lovebirds, they make a plan to storm Leonard's house, and I was feeling a little sassy because Miles wonders if the plan will work, and I wrote down, of course not Miles, come on. It wouldn't be a good Shiloh plan if it doesn't fail. <laughs> well, as we can see in every book, I mean, in every plan that's happened in this series, all the plans fail. No plan has gone well ended correctly even the most well thought out plans do not go well so it's gonna be a mess for sure so they act on their plan and they have this multi-step tiered plan to invade the house that used to be wilma's that leonard has been using as his hideout and the first part goes well maude dies miles throws ivan Guillermo off a balcony and the evil mom is chasing them, but, like, they, like, knocked out two of the four like that. Yeah, that was pretty great. So you're like, oh, great, this is going well. But, of course, it doesn't last because, so, of course, it's, like, a whole thing. Shiloh thinks it's her mom, but it's actually Leonard's mom, and she's running around with scissors trying to cut Shiloh, and Phil and Miles are able to, like, restrain her. So, like, go, Shiloh, like. Get Leonard. I was a little confused on the plan, but basically Shiloh is the main person who's supposed to be trying to kill Leonard. And Phil and Miles, I guess, came in as, like, her backup? I don't know, but they're all together. And then I guess Jonah and Fiona are outside the house waiting for a signal so that they can go in the basement. I guess it was once they'd restrained Leonard 
they were to go into the basement to get Francesca because Francesca and Shiloh have to kill him together so that Francesca can take his spirit immediately to the other side. So, okay, now, okay, that makes more sense. But anyway, so Phil and Miles have Leonard's mom and Shiloh's on her way to go get Leonard. But then all of a sudden, Leonard's mom pops up again and is chasing her, like, into this attic space. And Phil and Miles are nowhere to be found. And I'm like, how on earth? Did this woman with scissors overpower Miles, who's just like this giant beef, beefy, <laughs> this giant buff, beefy cop, and Phil, who knows what is it, Krav Maga? Yeah, a type of martial arts that he's like clearly a good fighter. Like, how did she single-handedly overpower them? Like, to me, that was a little unbelievable. But I guess she did have a weapon. But didn't they all have weapons? And they were also just- fine. Like, we saw them like a chapter later, all in the basement, and they weren't like injured. It was just like like one moment they were well, holding her. Well, Phil Phil was injured. Oh, his stomach was cut up. Yeah, you're right. Yes, like we get an explanation after, but either way, just like so, Shiloh is single handedly running away from her, and then I'm also like, "Where's Fiona and Jonah? Like, what is happening?" I just felt like we went from like they were all outside to now we're just, just Shiloh's the only person executing the plan and like actually doing anything. But I guess that was the plan, but just a little confusing. I mean, I did think it was confusing. I felt like it was a plot hole that she, how she escaped from them. Because we didn't hear any noise or anything like that. Like, it was clear that they had restrained her. And then all of a sudden, she's like three floors away. And like, ah, don't come after my little boy. <laughs> like, it was a plot hole. Sorry, it was a plot hole. It, I, I don't know if I'll call it a plot hole, but again, just not that believable. I guess it's really like, it seemed a little bit, you had to like, suspend your dis disbelief is that a phrase like just just you'd have to do that because to me like even if she had the scissors like if they'd restrained her how did she still have the scissors in her hand i guess they hadn't gotten out yet and like also i'm like shouldn't they be on high alert but i guess maybe they were underestimating her like how evil she was because also i don't know if they realized initially that it was leonard's mom in her body so maybe they didn't realize like how evil she could have been like they just knew somebody else was in the body not shiloh's mom but it does get explained later that basically, or what the assumption is, is that she stabbed Phil, like, in the stomach. So, like, that's a pretty drastic wound. And I guess she ran away, and instead of Miles following her and maybe restraining her again, he helps Phil do what exactly? No idea, because his wounds aren't bandaged or anything. So I guess he just stood there and put some pressure on it and then carried him when it was his cue to come down into the basement so again just a little weird but i don't know like i said while it was happening and why we're reading i'm just like where is everyone why is shiloh the only one and why is she having to single-handedly fight off everyone in the house like is she gonna do all by herself but anyway lots of violence coming up since you know this is the books but Everyone ends up converging basically in the basement because, so the plan originally was for Shiloh. They were thinking Leonard was going to be sleeping, so that's why they went up to the upstairs bedroom first, but kind of what was happening, Leonard was still in the basement with Francesca, well, because obviously after Francesca tried to kill him and failed, he strung up her and Evangeline up on the wall, and he's like dismembering the corpse that Patrick was in so that he, like, can't be identified, so he's, like, pulling his teeth out. It's really gross. Yeah. 
again, this was a lot. But anyway, so that's happening. So everyone, so when Leonard hears them coming down to the basement, he goes to like hide in a closet. So Shiloh's like trying to free Francesca. And this was also to me like just weirdly written because Francesca's like, Leonard's hiding in the closet. He's going to ambush you any second. And like Shiloh's still like, well, my priority is untying you. Like that didn't make any sense to me. Like immediately I would be on high alert. Weapons would be up. Also, can we talk about Shiloh said she had a gun on her. She's they specifically talk about her having a handgun like and she has like some sort of holster and she never uses the gun. Did she lose it at some point? No one knows. I'm saying I was literally like waiting for her. I was like, why does she not pull out the gun? Because she's using this axe because now now we're in the Hunger Games. Yeah. And we're using special specialized weapons. And she's got this axe for dramatic effect. And I'm like, okay, she keeps, like, having to run after this axe. I was like, don't you have a gun that you can, you know, shoot at a long range? Like, I don't understand why, like, yeah, there's, like, a part with the mom, Leonard's mom, where she's like, if I run downstairs and get my axe, and I was like, don't you have a gun on you? I don't understand. Why did you pack this? Like, they had, like, 500 guns. He had, like, so many guns. Miles, because he's a cop, and, you know, cops just love their guns, apparently. He had, like, this whole arsenal of weapons and all she used was an axe? Like, what, it an, was also what just is like an a odd weapon choice? Because also, like, when they're, like, prepping at, like, at the motel or, like, at the circus, she's like, I'm going to take my axe. And I'm like, but you, like, specifically learned how to use a Glock. A gun. Like, and you've multiple times <laughs> Oh, don't times get me even started this... on the weapon choice. <laughs> Jonah, is, Jonah and his makeshift spear. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> multiple times in this series... You've been like, well, I took the gun because I learned how to use it. Like, you are aware that not all weapons are created equal and that you need training. And you have some level of training in one. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know what I need is a freaking axe. Like, no, I'm telling axe, you. Like, you're in the Middle Ages. I guess, I guess she wants to chop up Leonard's body. But, like, you should know by now that that doesn't matter. His soul can go anywhere it wants. It, like, it just made no sense. I mean, like I said, the choosing weapons, I, I just could not get over Jonah, who's never used a spear in his life. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tie a knife to a the end of knife. a broomstick. A pocket knife to the end of a broomstick because, you know, that's what I want my Hunger Games weapon to be. Like, I don't know. To me, that was where, like, she was trying to, like, add, like, like, Claire was trying to add, like, dramatic effect to the scene. She was trying to add something for the movies. Exactly. She wants something to add for the movies for dramatic effect where I'm like... But still, I'm just, the, the thing that did, like, annoy me is I was, like, they, Shiloh specifically says that she grabs a gun, she puts it in a holster on her, and she never uses it, and I'm, like, the gun is literally the easiest weapon. You just point it at somebody and shoot them. I mean, that's why it kills so many people, and it's a really an issue, but. The, <laughs> that's why it's a big problem in America, because it's too easy to kill Because it's too easy to kill them. people, so I don't know why in this, you know, where she's, her literal goal is to kill people, she didn't have that out. Or never thought to pull it. And that's why I will give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe I missed it somewhere in the reading. She drops it or loses it. But to me, I was really confused why she never pulled the gun out. Why she had a battle axe. And also, yeah, why her preferred weapon was an axe. Like, that's so heavy and uncomfortable. But, I mean, I guess we do get the shot of her, like, cutting somebody's head off. Or or not quite her head, but, like, into somebody's neck. Which, again, is for the movie, I guess. It's for the movie. Well, okay. So, so, like I said, well, everyone's in the basement now, and Leonard 
finally shows himself, which obviously very suspicious. He didn't immediately ambush them. And they, like, Jonah's able to restrain him with his spear, kind of. And then, of course, somehow they still underestimate Leonard. And when Jonah gets distracted for, like, a second, which, again, why is only one person, especially tiny little Jonah, why is it big, beefy Miles on Leonard right now? Like, I just don't understand, like, what what's happening in the room right now? They're all in the room, and I'm like, shouldn't the priority be, like, converge on Leonard, handcuff Leonard, punch him in the face, cut his head off right now? Shoot what him. What are we waiting for? Shoot him. What are we waiting for? Why are we even talking? I think they all just, they got some ESP from Francesca, and she's like, guys, murder is bad. Anyway, so the hesitation, and with the hesitation, Leonard is somehow able to pull a syringe with the foolery drug, which, as a reminder, that's the drug that, like, you put it in, he puts it in you, and then he, like, can tell you whatever to do something, and you do it. And so he gets this huge syringe and sticks it into Jonah's neck, immediately plunges that in, and is like, Jonah, you have to kill Shiloh. She's trying to kill you. Like, immediately kill her. And then, of course, Jonah goes into his trance, and I'm like, okay, here's our more dramatic effect. And then Leonard just scurries away with no one chasing after him because everyone's disappeared. Like, I just didn't understand. First of all, I also meant, like, Leonard, like, I don't know, walk around like an Oompa Loompa. Like, I just can't. He was just like, he's like, oh, I finally got, like, I'm, I'm still evil. And then he just skips away. Because no one's even pursuing him. Because I guess this wasn't the whole part of the plan. Wasn't to kill Leonard. Exactly what I thought. I also because he he stabs Joan. He's like, here's a knife. Kill Shiloh. Kill her. She's gonna kill you. Hee hee. And then he just skips away, and nobody does anything. And they're all just standing there, motionless, waiting for their next cue. I guess. I imagined him. I didn't imagine him obviously with like Oompa Loompa skin, but like. Because they describe, well, a, like, the TA like as being, like, a little round and pudgy. And I'm like, he's definitely, like, a short little gremlin, like, a black polo. And he's like, ha, there you go. Let me go through my secret passageway. Like. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. And that's why I'm like, the fact that he just gets away so easily, no one even makes a move towards him. Except for Francesca. Frail, old Francesca. Like, <laughs> Francesca I'll get is about 3,000 like, years old. I'll get Leonard. Evangeline, I'll go with you. And I'm like, why are we sending the prisoners of war who haven't eaten in three days to chase after Leonard, who literally just out-tricked everyone in the room? Doesn't make any sense. Oh, this, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, it's insane. So one, then he has a, he has a syringe. I guess, like, he keeps, a, he keeps preloaded foolery syringes in his sleeves, I guess. And then, like, because, <laughs> again, we don't see him draw it or anything like that. He's being restrained, and then all of a sudden he's like, ha-ha, here you go, happy time. Like It could have been in his pocket, though, because they didn't do a pat-down. They're failures. I just... But my point <laughs> is, like, thorough. we didn't even see him put his hand in his pocket. He's like, ta-da, I am the villain. And then, okay, turns out there was a way to beat foolery the whole time. And only now do they tell them that foolery plays on fear, so Shiloh's able to beat Jonah's foolery enough by telling him she loves him. Now, this scene felt like it was in it for the movies because it was super dramatic. Gi- oh, Jonah's for like, sure. he's like frothing at the bit. He's like, oh, 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 I wish you I'm could see the face Charles making oh, yeah. right now. 
And then you look like a, a scary chipmunk. <laughs> and then I feel like there's another movie where this happens, where like the secret is to kiss them. Um, I mean, there's a lot of those, but yeah, I'm thinking of I'm. I have like a, one on the tip of my tongue that this reminds me of, but I can't think of what me it is. Too. But like where you, where you have to like really like declare your love in the moment and it like changes everything. Yeah. So she says she loves him, and he's like, "Oh." I'm not scared anymore. And it breaks the foolery. And it was like, I mean, that scene was super passionate because like Shiloh's like, she goes through her head. She's like, this is what Jonah has lacked in his life. This is what he'll be afraid of. What can I give him that would make him unafraid? Like it's very, it's actually, her thoughts are very sweet and the resolution is sweet. But I do think that it like totally broke the rules of the world that we have a solution to this drug and that we haven't heard about it yet at all. And I, I think do. it made sense. I think that, that made sense because I think in all their contexts of the foolery, there was no opportunity for that to be presented because it's basically like the, you know, it's whole idea late. of true love's kiss can like heal everything because basically she's saying all these nice things and it is kind of like interrupting him, but ultimately what gets him to stop is her kissing him, which, you know, I'm a romantic. I love my Disney princess movies. I did like that, which again is where like I get sucked back in, even though I'm so angry at everything else. But I'm like, oh, that was sweet. I will admit that. But I did like that because also I was like, there's no way she's going to have Jonah kill Shiloh. Like, I know she hates us, but she doesn't hate us that much. Yeah. Can you imagine? Then I would have stopped reading the book. I would have. Oh, for sure. I would have been like. And that's you would have been it. like, it's like divergent. And that's the end of this episode. We didn't finish. <laughs> You'd be like, it's like a legion. You kill off Triss and we just leave. Okay, spoiler alert. Those books have been out for a decade. But still. That is not a spoiler. Listen to our divergent episodes. Even though, hmm, this might be worse than those. Interesting. I feel like we ragged we'll on have to do. We'll have to do a final we'll have to do a final ranking at the end what we decided. We should say like our top three worst series and then maybe top three best. At the end of this episode? Just okay. do a little comparison. Okay. Well. Yeah. It, it was a wonderful moment, I will say. I did write that down. It was a wonderful moment when they kissed. It was wonderful. But <laughs> unfortunately... Too bad Shiloh's going to spend the rest of her life in jail because she's definitely going down for all of this. So, yet again, we get no real wins in the series. There's always some kind of downfall. I mean, think about all the bodies they're going to find in this house. Like, and arson, because the house is on <laughs> it's gonna fire. It's going to be... Well, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to be... I mean... Breaking news. Shiloh... Serious breaking listen, news. Listen, like, imagine you're in this tiny, quiet town. No problems. All of a sudden, the sheriff's daughter is outed as she's been abused her whole life by the sheriff. And then she goes... Again, this is not what happened, but it's what the town thinks. She goes on a killings rampage. She's killing people. She's killed, like, ten people. She's burning buildings. She's assaulting strangers in broad daylight. Like, she's shooting people. She's, <laughs> like... Tampering with police evidence, she's burning literal buildings down three counties over, and she's hiding all the bodies from, like, a 16-year-old girl. Like, can you imagine that? Like, it's almost funny if it wasn't, if we didn't know the tragic circumstances. I mean, it'd be like, wow, she really lost it, but, you know, it makes sense since she was abused. Hurt people hurt people. No one likes a mad woman. What a shame she went mad. Oh, I love that song. Me too. But... 
yeah, that is, um, it is crazy to think about it. That's why I will say about, despite all this ridiculousness, that is what makes me want to read the next book about, I mean, we're about to get to that, but she is going to be facing jail time. So to like, see how that plays out because will they be able to get her out of it? Like if they do, what is the explanation going to be? Like, I think that's going to be really interesting. You know, we get a little bit of law and order mixed in there. Great. So to finish up, and in a 180-degree pivot from Francesca two chapters earlier, they do kill Francesca. Boop. (laughs) They kill Leonard, and Francesca takes him to the other side. I mean, Francesca's basically dead, too. And he's like, I'm going to haunt you forever. And then Francesca is trapped on the other side, too. So, at the end, first of all, is Leonard really dead? No, because... Once they're on the other side, he just disappears, so he could be anywhere, and as it's kind of been revealed throughout the series, openings to the other side just appear. So Leonard could just get lucky, and it seems like he's extremely lucky that he was able to bring, like, ten people back from the dead with no resistance, and was able to get away with everything, and has lived as a spirit for, like, a hundred years, and just, for some reason, has the power to just enter new bodies endlessly. Like, he seems like a very lucky person for some reason, and... So it just, to me, seems like this is definitely not the end of Leonard. Like, he's going to haunt Francesca. He's going to haunt the rest of the crew. And he tells Francesca that he is committed to ruining her life, ruining all of her friends' lives. And again, this is where it goes back to that it just seems like Leonard has been made to be too powerful. And it just ruins the story. And maybe maybe in the next book, she's going to finally reveal... Francesca's gonna learn on the other side like how to destroy a soul or to lock it up but I just I don't know I just feel like at this point he just seems like I mean I guess he's like the Thanos but like how do they defeat Thanos by going back in time like I just (laughs) I don't understand how they're gonna beat him this series already has enough elements we don't need time travel yeah no thank you so also, we should mention, Francesca's, like, really basically dying from all the effort. Like, all this bringing people back has, like, been really messing her up. She's, like, her hair's white, her face is aging. Like, she's quite weak in real life. And then she fully gets trapped on the other side. Which, I already said, I think she deserves to get trapped on the other side after her failure to kill Leonard. I think that's exactly what she deserves. Because the only way they were able to kill Leonard is from Shiloh. And Shiloh's already going to jail. So Shiloh's going to be in real person jail. And Francesca's in spiritual jail. So they're both being punished. Even though they were trying to do the right thing. And. Like I said. I really was hating Miles before. But I definitely have to say Francesca. And her just sheer idiocy. Has taken the cake for being the worst character for me in the series. <laughs> Because if there's one thing I can't stand, it's stupid people. And unfortunately, Francesca was all kinds of stupid in this reading. And I don't think she's... I don't know if I'm going to be able to recover. Her character's going to be able to recover from that, personally. I mean, I think that's a valid way to feel about it. And in case we didn't clarify yet, at the end, like, the cops are converging. Again, there's a burning building. They've killed, like, a bajillion people. And Shiloh's like, Miles, you have to turn me in and blame everything on me so that everyone else can be spared. And Miles, because Miles is a cop. So he captures her. And they also, like, 
frame it on this poor other officer, this female officer, who's literally just been trying to do her job really hard, and they're like, see, she's been stalking these children. How terrible. And so this woman gets in trouble. Yeah. And then... They framed her? I thought it was the idea that they were just scolding because they're like... They were scolding her. I'm not saying they framed her for murder, but like they were like, she's been so annoying and like she's been so hysterical and blah, 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 blah. Like she's been following him around and he's actually known the whole time what he was doing. Like... Well, I was like, great, because I was rooting for Miles. But yes, it, it worked out perfectly because he was basically able to say, like, you've been so suspicious of me. Well, actually, I've been conducting my own investigation, and that's why I've captured Shiloh. And also, we knew this was coming because Shiloh said earlier in the book that, or in the last book, her plan was that once they killed Leonard, she would turn herself in so that she wouldn't get anyone else in trouble. Like, she was willing to go to jail. I mean, obviously, she doesn't want to go to jail, but she's willing to do that for, like, all of her friends helping her and stuff because she doesn't want anyone else to get in trouble. But, like, she's going to be going down for a lot if they're able to, like, pin all that stuff from her on her, which that's why I said, for me, at this point, I think I still want to read the next book when it comes out, mainly because I am curious what is going to happen to Shiloh, whether she's actually going to go to jail, whether she's going to be acquitted, like, if they're able to get her out, whether they're going to kill Shiloh and put her in a new body... So many questions, but honestly, I could care less what happens to Francesca, but I know that they're both going to be a big part of the next book, which is called They Hunt, and it's coming out on December 5th of 2023, this year. Yeah, so Shiloh is going to be, is turned in, Miles has the cop, Jonah, I guess will be recovering, the circus friends will be recovering, Shiloh's mom her ghost is so floating around. Leonard's mom is in the body. So that's creepy. Especially when Shiloh's not there to protect Max, who I assume will be reunited with this woman. So that's not good. Well, and also because the plan was to kill her and then put Shiloh's mom's soul back into but her. Francesca. But since Francesca is unconscious, I think they should just kill her. I think Shiloh's mom's just gonna have to go. <laughs> I don't think that they should... I don't think that they should risk letting Leonard's mother near Max. Like, I don't think that's worth the risk. I think Shao's mom is just dead. They can put her in a new body, if anything, but... But, yeah. She's done well, they can't do that yet, because Francesca's MIA. So, there's a lot to see in the next book. I... If you get a copy of the next book... It's too much. And you want to read it... I'll probably read it afterwards. I can't say for myself necessarily that I will seek out reading the next book. <laughs> I am a completionist at heart, but at this rate, she could just keep keeping Leonard, because he's going to be haunting in the next book, keep him around, and she could just keep writing these books until however long she lives. And Claire Fraze is younger than us. And frankly, at some point, I'm going to give up. So... <laughs> well, I don't think it's going to be that many books, but I definitely think, based on what I saw on her... Instagram. I don't think the next book is the last book. I'm assuming there's going to be five Ooh. to six books, is what I would guess. So it could be five, I mean, based on what happens in the next book. Because, again, and I hope that if it's past five, that she would, again, create a new villain, personally. But I'm not sure. So we'll see. But, I, like I said, for me, I'm mainly intrigued because... Like, I love, like, Law and Order and stuff. So, to me, it'll be interesting to see, like, how, like, the justice system is going to play into this. Of how Shell is either going to get out of it or she is going to end up getting punished for all these crimes that she didn't commit. To me, that is going to be the most interesting part of the story. 
Whereas Francesca, based on what I read, what Claire Fraser's post on her Instagram with the next book, like, it's going to be about her, like, on the other side, which, like we said, is more of, like, the ghost stuff, which we're just not as interested in. So I'm definitely not intrigued by that as much. Yeah. Well. But I think that's it. So I guess final impression of the series. Uh, I'll go first. I think it has a lot of potential. I just, I've said it before, I think there are too many elements. And I think that isn't a, uh, a factor of Claire being a little younger. Is that it feels like she had so many ideas and she put them all into the book, first book. And or her first series. And I think that that is, it's, it just feels like it is, yeah, I, I feel overwhelmed by also the change in direction of the series that we've had so much of. It went from being about, like, kidnapping and family abuse to, you know, covering up crimes and axe murdering and arson and magic and, you know, also Jonah's spirit is pledged to a crystal ball that is somewhere in Florida. Like, it... It just feels like I can't keep track of everything. Oh, oh my gosh, I forgot about the crystal ball. Well, I did not, so... My point is that I just think that it's not a bad series, and I think that actually there are some characters that I really like. I actually really like Shiloh and Jonah, like, as intellectual characters. And even Miles. I mean, he's a bit of a whiny, the first few But he's grown a lot. But he's had an interesting arc, um... And I think that some Francesca of the... downhill. <laughs> some of the softer character... Like, some of the softer inter-character dynamics I think are actually really enjoyable to read about. But I will say that... I, it feels disorganized. And then on top of it, it's just not a style of writing. Like, I don't need to hear about violence. I don't want to do... Like, that's not my thing, so... Yeah. I feel like I feel pretty much the same. I think... I disagree with you, I guess, a little bit about how the story changed because I feel like from the beginning, since we were getting Shiloh and Francesca's perspective, it was clear that we were getting the kidnapping, the abuse from one end, and then we were getting the ghost from Francesca, and then it was clear that, like, those two worlds were going to collide once they started interacting and became friends. So to me, it wasn't giving me, like, how in Divergent, we started off with one, with the story being about one thing, and then it ended up being something completely different that we had no idea was coming so that didn't bother me as much. But I also, yes, I'm definitely not as interested in the supernatural part. So I think it, but like that is ultimately the majority of the story when you think about it. Like the whole arc is this idea of. Unfortunately. That is the villain and everything has to do with the ghost and everything. And I do think it's interesting. Like I like the idea of incorporating history. Something we didn't really talk about that I really liked from this reading is they read through Wilma's old diaries and it was like referencing like memories from the past. I love that kind of stuff. So I did really like that. But as far as a ranking, I still think out of all the series you've read in cart, I still think is my absolute least favorite. That was something that I don't think I'll ever read again. And that is not necessarily even that it was just like bad. It was just that like totally not my vibe. Very fantastical. And just so long. <laughs> Those books were so long. Those books were so long, yeah. So I would say that's probably like number one worst. 
Now, of course, the big question. Between this and Divergent? I think I would take Divergent just because of the nostalgia. Because I did read that when I was younger. And I do genuinely enjoy, like, the first two books. It's really the last book that ruins the story for me. Whereas this... I don't think I genuinely enjoyed any of the books. I enjoyed parts. Like, I enjoyed all the parts. I mean, once Shiloh and Jonah become interested in each other, which was, what, like, midway through the second book, or at some point, I was enjoying that. But there's none of the, out of the three books we read of this series, none of them I'd be like, oh, I really liked that book as a whole. I don't feel that way. Whereas I could say that I liked, like, Divergent as a whole, and maybe, like, the first half of Insurgent. But, so I feel like, yeah, so that's how I would, then I would rank, I would rank this. <laughs> Maybe a second worst? I mean, we've read a lot of series. I'm sure there's something else. But yeah, this might be, because... I mean, you really didn't like the Chronicles of Narnia. But if you're talking in terms of, like, dystopian, or, like, young adult tea. I didn't like the Chronicles of Narnia, but Chron- the Chronicles of Narnia was still a good story. I think, I'm, I'm ranking not even just based off of like what I like personally but also on what I think is good and even though I personally don't like the Chronicles of Narnia I still know that it's a classic and it was a really good story like it was very well done um I personally have my own issues with that though but um yeah this also the bigger thing for this one that I think would put in near the top of things I didn't like is the violence I think I mean besides really like the lovely bones this is one of the only books or series, I guess we read, that was, like, graphic and graphically violent. And I think it's become pretty clear on the show that neither Charles and I, or I like that that much. So, and that's where, like, this book crosses over from being more suspenseful, like I said, to more horror. And neither of us likes horror. So I feel like that already kind of set it up that we weren't going to like it. Or at least that aspect of it. So I'd say that's why it also, it would bring higher as far as things I disliked. Yeah, I'll, I would agree with that. I also, I still think that I would rank this ahead of Inkheart. Also, because Inkheart, for me personally, feels like such a betrayal. I love that author. I've read multiple books by that <laughs> author. And, like, the number of people that recommended that book to us, like, and people, yeah. when we were posting that we were reading it, they were like, oh, my God, I like that book so much. And I was, like, the whole time, I was, like, Did we, are we reading the same book? Like, I was, like... <laughs> like, is it going like, to get better? Tw- like, do we have to get like, past a certain In the Twilight point? Zone, I was, like, this is not a good book. Like, objectively, just bad. And then the, all of them were bad. And I was, like, why are we reading these? Wait, because Inkheart was the one where they, like, jumped into the stories. Yeah, that book was that- ridiculous. And I think what killed it for me, they were too long. It was way too long. Because it was like you were not enjoying it, and then the books were like 700 pages. It just never ended. I also, I was in the Twilight Zone. I was, I felt so betrayed by those books. These ones. So you're saying, you're saying Inkheart would be number one worst, or this? Inkheart, for sure. Okay, so we agree. And then this would be number two. That feels so harsh. Like. But I mean. But if you think about, like, I've mostly <laughs> liked everything we've read on the show. Like, yeah, obviously the stuff that I recommended, I really liked, obviously. And then the new stuff, I enjoyed Twilight. I enjoyed Percy Jackson. Cause let, me, let me look at the list of our things that we've covered. I, you know, we're just going on a little, a little trip down memory lane really quick here. 
No, yeah, I'd say out of the things that we've covered, I mean, I didn't love all the things. Like, I didn't love Children of the Lamp. I didn't love that series, but I didn't dislike it. Honestly, for those ones, they were just, it was a long series. Same and thing the ending like is sad. Dragons. The ending is sad for Children of the Lamp and... Um, Children of the Lamp is sad. I mean, I would discuss... And Secrets of the Normal really... Nicholas Flamel. Like, when they lose their powers and they, like, go their separate ways at the end, that is sad in both of those series. But that, yes, but overall the series is good, even though the spiders, disgusting, still triggered by that. Let's see. His Dark Materials, that was good. Ugh, I want to read those again. I'm due for a reread. I mean, we covered it like three years ago almost. Two, you mean. The City of Ember I really liked. Oh my god, no, you're right. Narnia as we... Three years ago, wow. Narnia, as we know, I did not enjoy, but like I said, it's still like story-wise. I mean, I do think that that's controversial, but I think this was much worse than that. So, savvy, yeah. No, I, I, I think that that's a fair ranking. I would say Inkheart, then I would say this. Divergent. And because then I guess the it first, would have to be Divergent. Yeah, those would be the top three worst things we covered. Di- Divergent was disliked. so good until the ending of the first book, and you're like, oh, didn't finish the book. She's missing a paragraph. And then you re- Oh, my you God, mean- I forgot about that. <laughs> and then you get into Insurgent, and you're like, okay, it's a lot, but we can do it. And then you start Allegiant, and you're like, well, just stop now. Just stop now. So I guess that's fair, but I'm glad we read these. They were captivating. And I liked it was different from... They were page turners. I read this last book in two days. They're definitely page turners. I read the first reading in one day and the second reading in a day. They're definitely page turners. Just unfortunately, when you get to the end, you're still disappointed because you don't... You're turning the pages trying to get to a place that you're like, yes, finally, like they'll get something that'll work out, but you end with disappointment. But, you know, it's not the end of the series yet, so it could be... Just a page away. Yeah. Okay, now let's do our favorites. Top three books and or series. Uh, I should have pulled up the list. I would say... I have the list pulled up, so I'm looking right at it. I would say probably my favorite thing we covered on the show was Twilight, because I cannot believe Charles liked Twilight. I I mean, I know he says, like, obviously the writing's not that great, but the fact, you said before, at the time at least, it was, like, your favorite thing that we did, or, like, favorite thing that you got to read on the show, and as we know, Twilight is, like, my young adult book. Like, that is it. I read the books every once in a while. I'm literally watch, re-watching the movies right now. I love You didn't Twilight. tell me you were re-watching the movies. So, I think... Well, it was a spur-of-the-moment decision. I'm already on Breaking Dawn Part 1. I started it, like, the other day. So That's like when I rewatched quickly. The Hunger I mean, Games I movies, the, like, a week, a month ago. Why well, rewatch The Hunger Games movies, too, because um, they're on Hulu. I know they left Netflix, but they're on Hulu. So I rewatched The Hunger Games movies a little while ago. Great. And then I was like, you know what? It's time for Twilight. And so soon enough, I'm going to reread the books, too. But Twilight was definitely number one. I also love The Hunger Games, but I don't know if that was my favorite because we'd both already read those before, but I definitely liked covering the prequel, which if you haven't listened to that episode, check it out because the movie's coming out this year. If you want a refresher. And that was a long episode. We talked about it for a long time because we did the whole book in one episode. No, 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 we didn't. We split it up. Oh, really? Yeah, we split it up because it was a long book, so. It was a long book. It's such a good book. But. I think that was my favorite because I'd read the book before and Charles hadn't. So even though Charles knows the Hunger Games and everything, 
like he we got that idea of like he'd never read it but I had and I love the Hunger Games world so that was probably my second and then third let me see if I should like pick something that you picked that I liked you're gonna come up with the same list I have I I can feel it I know what you're gonna say and it's gonna be my list your list of for what my third favorite my top three why did you say my top three? Might not be the same order, but... And then, hmm, what else did we cover that was... Let me pick something that was yours, so it's not just all my picks. I would say out of the ones that we read for you that I enjoyed the most... Hmm. Why no? My favorite was The City of Ember. But I think our funniest episodes were from The Giver, honestly. Because The Giver, like, the first book was incredible, and then I feel like some of the other books were just absolutely ridiculous. They made no sense. And then, like, the last they, book was good. Like, the last half of the last book was good. That's because the last half of the last book reconnected to the first book. So I think that going off of that, maybe... Oh, my God. Remember Maddie in book two, when he book three, when he was running between the forests and they, like... We're attacking him and he's like, no, I don't want you to. And the forest cleared up and everyone's like, ta-da, magic. Yeah, The Giver also, because that was something that I had wanted to read, and I didn't know it was a series, and that one I just feel like was ridiculous. But I think maybe I'd say those are my favorites. It's hard to pick. We covered so many things. So for me, I gotta throw His Dark Materials in there. I just think it's one of the best written series ever. I... I'll just never forget the polar bear. After his friend died, he took his single nail and sliced his entire corpse open to eat him, and he's like, yes, thank you for this feast, my friend, nasty. Yeah, I know. Um, That's all I remember. <laughs> Seriously. But and what was her name? Lyra. The ending. She was southern. She was, su- she was southern. When they, <laughs> when they can't be together and they have to accept that for the good of the oh world. Oh my god, I forgot about that. I hated that. I hated that because I again the unexpected romance and then they're like they'll never live in the same world like they lived in different dimensions. Oh my god. That was so... Di- like, I... That, like, was one of those books, like, it sat with me Because days. it was so was like, well-written that you were so rooting for them. I hated and then that. you felt so gutted by the end. I'm like, that's good writing. This is not going to sit with me. This book... Well, it made me viscerally angry because I like happy endings. But, yes, I will say that was a good series because, yes, I sat with it for, like, days. I was, like, upset. Yes. Like, it was, like... It was me. Like, I had lived it. Whereas I finished, just like I again. finished They Return and I was like, thank God. Didn't think about it again. <laughs> I forgot what happened in this reading until you texted me and you were like, I finished the reading. Please write the outline. And I was like, oh God, I should have written the summary. I literally couldn't remember what happened. Whereas like, I can tell you oh detailed God. plot points of that book series three years later. No, no yeah, that series is, that series was good, but just depressing. I would say Twilight, I really did. I was shocked how much I liked it. And I do want to read them again. I have been saying that for three years now since we started the podcast, but I feel like that's a... No, yeah, I think I'm going to read Midnight Sun soon. Take a break. And then I also, I think The Hunger Games. I mean, I rewatched those movies. I loved reading the books. I did love that we covered the prologue. Those are also just like, the best of the dystopian fiction. And I know we read Matched, and we actually really enjoyed Matched, and that was, like, kind of, like, a... I feel like Matched was, like, the dark horse of the series, because we didn't know it, and we read it later, 
and we found out it was older than all the other ones, and we really enjoyed it. Now, do I think it stacks up to Hunger Games? Absolutely not. Like, Than all the other dystopian. The first book was really good. It's just that they got less interesting. Not, I'd say the description of Madge would be eh. It and was then when, eh. when they killed the hot guy, Zane. So sad. Um, was his name Zane? The moody guy? Who? Oh. Are you talking about uglies? Well, I'm so wrong. You just oh, got confused. Was, wait, okay, wait, go bleh, back. Right? You meant uglies. Uglies was the first. That's what I meant. Uglies was the dark horse. Yeah, matched was Kasha. Like I said, matched was eh. Uglies was good. Uglies was good. Yes, okay, I will say Uglies. Okay, now I agree with what you said, the dark horse. Yes, Uglies was very good. It did get a little bit iffy, but I liked the fourth book, like the addition with Isla, like Aya. Tally coming back. I liked that idea, and yes, Uglies was the one that it was like a precursor to all the like very popular dystopian novels. And that one was... I yeah. will say, that's an honorable mention. Yeah. Not my top three, but honorable mention for sure. I'm trying to think. I mean, I liked all the, like, the early stuff we read, like, Percy Jackson and, um... And Percy Jackson, that those, was a childhood ruiner for me. But those were, like... <laughs> them. They were just cute. And, like, when we read Secrets of the Northern and the Coastal Belt, those felt good. Also, those were some of our early episodes of the podcast. It was really fun we were making those. Also, like, we were, like... Pretty deep in COVID lockdown, we made those. So like that was like, oh, a yeah. fun thing that we got to do. Yeah, but I think yeah, I think top three have got to be in no particular order: Twilight, Hunger Games with the prequel, and um, dark uh, his dark materials. His dark materials. Yeah, I guess I could agree with that. I also like The Giver, though. And then Auto Munch Nuggets. Okay, okay, back on track. Sorry, we just did a little uh, trip down memory lane here for uh, episode 139. <laughs> You'll see why, because next week we have a very important announcement. Yes, but next week we're going to be reading The Entirety of Aqueous by Jade Scheiback, which Jade's publisher sent to us. It is her debut novel. It is the beginning of her first young adult series. So you definitely don't want to miss that episode. We were super excited to cover this book. We both really liked it. Yeah. So it's going to be a great episode. And as Charles hinted, we have an, an important announcement that will be coming out next week. And if you you know you want to get in touch with us, honestly, episode one thirty nine, we don't need to tell you how. Go to nerdpie.com slash contact, select the hard paperback, that sends us an email. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you know the drill. And I'm at seashells on Instagram. And I'm at Asia Bonia on TikTok and at Asia.bonia on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Pride Network, but make sure to subscribe to us so you don't miss us next week. Okay, hit that subscribe button and have a good one. We'll see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.